Chapter thirty eight of the Hand of Fu Manchu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Hand of Fu Manchu by Sax Romer. Chapter thirty eight The Monk's Plan. My inquiries in the manuscript room of the British Museum, said Nayland Smith, his voice momentarily growing stronger and some of the old fire creeping back into his eyes, have proved entirely successful. Sir Lionel Barton, Dr. Hamilton, and myself hung upon every word, and often I found myself glancing at the old-fashioned clock on the doctor's mantelpiece. We had very definite proof, continued Smith, of the fact that Fu Manchu and company were conversant with that elaborate system of secret rooms and passages which forms a veritable labyrinth in, about, and beneath Greywater Park. Some of the passages we explored— that Sir Lionel should be ignorant of the system was not strange, considering that he had but recently inherited the property, and that the former owner, his kinsman, regarded the secret as lost. A starting point was discovered, however, in the old work on haunted manors unearthed in the library, as you remember. There was a reference in the chapter dealing with Greywater, so a certain monkish manuscript said, to repose in the national collection, and to contain a plan of these passages and stairways. The keeper of the manuscripts at the museum very courteously assisted me in my inquiries, and the ancient parchment was placed in my hands. Sure enough, it contained a carefully executed drawing of the hidden ways of Greywater, the work of a monk in the distant days when Greywater was a priory. This monk, I may add, a certain brother Anselm, afterwards became abbot of Greywater. "'Very interesting,' cried Sir Lionel loudly. "'Very interesting indeed.' "'I copied the plan,' resumed Smith, with elaborate care. That labour, unfortunately, was wasted in part, at least. Then, in order to confirm my suspicions on the point, I endeavoured to ascertain if the monk's manuscript had been asked for at the museum recently. The keeper of the manuscripts could not recall that any student had handled the work prior to my own visit during the past ten years.' This was disappointing, and I was tempted to conclude that Fu Manchu had blundered onto the secret in some other way, when the assistant keeper of the manuscripts put in an appearance. From him I obtained confirmation of my theory. Three months ago, a Greek gentleman, possibly Sir Lionel, your late butler, Homopoulou, obtained permission to consult the manuscript, claiming to be engaged upon a paper for some review or other. At any rate, the fact was sufficient." Quite evidently, a servant of Fu Manchu had obtained a copy of the plan, and this within a day or so of the death of Mr. Brangholm Burton, whose heir, Sir Lionel, you were. I became daily impressed anew with the omniscience, the incredible genius of Dr. Fu Manchu. The scheme which we now know of to compass the death or captivity of our three selves and Karamina was put into operation, and failed. But, with its failure, the utility of the secret chambers was by no means terminated— the local legend, according to which a passage exists, linking Greywater and Monkswell, is confirmed by the monk's plan. What? cried Sir Lionel, springing to his feet. A passage between the park and the old tower? My dear sir, it's impossible. Such a passage would have to pass under the river Starn. It's only a narrow stream, I know, but... It does, or did pass under the river Starn, said Nayland Smith coolly, that it is still practicable, I do not assert. What interests me is the spot at which it terminates. He plunged his hand into the pocket of the light overcoat which he wore over the borrowed suit of pyjamas in which the kindly Dr. Hamilton had clothed him. He was seeking his pipe. "'Have a cigar, Smith,' cried Sir Lionel, proffering his case. "'If you must smoke, although I think our medical friend's frowning.' Nayland Smith took a cigar, bit off the end, and lighted up. He began to surround himself with odorous clouds, to his evident satisfaction. To resume, 
he said. The Spanish priest who was persecuted at Greywater in early Reformation days, and whose tortured spirit is said to haunt the park, held the secret of this passage, and of the subterranean chamber in Monkswell to which it led. His confession, which resulted in his death at the stake, enabled the commissioners to recover from his chamber a quantity of church ornaments. For these facts I am indebted to the author of the work on haunted manners. Our inquiry at this point touches upon things sinister and incomprehensible. In a word, although the passage and a part of the underground room are of unknown antiquity, it appears certain that they were improved and enlarged by one of the abbots of Monkswell, at a date much later than Brother Anselm's abbotship, and the place was converted to a secret chapel. A secret chapel? said Dr. Hamilton. Exactly. This was at a time in English history when the horrible cult of Asmodeus spread from the Rhine monasteries and gained proselytes in many religious houses of England. In this secret chapel, wretched churchmen, seduced to the abominable views of the abbot, celebrated the Black Mass. My God, I whispered, small wonder that the place is reputed to be haunted. Small wonder, cried Nayland Smith, with all his old nervous vigour, that Dr. Fu Manchu selected it as an ideal retreat in times of danger. What? The chapel? roared Sir Lionel. Beyond doubt, well knowing the penalty of discovery, those old devil-worshippers had chosen a temple from which they could escape in an emergency. There is a short stair from the chamber into the cave which, as you may know, exists in the cliff adjoining Monkswell. Smith's eyes were blazing now, and he was on his feet, pacing the floor, an odd figure with his bandaged skull and inadequate garments, biting on the already extinguished cigar as though it had been a pipe. Returning to our rooms, Petrie, he went on rapidly. Who should I run into but Summers? You remember Summers, the Suez Canal pilot whom you met at Ismailia two years ago? He brought the yacht through the canal from Suez, on which I suspect Kaiming came to England. She is a big boat, used to be on the Port Said and Jaffa route before a wealthy Chinaman acquired her, through an Egyptian agent, for his personal use. All the crews, Summers told me, were Asiatics, and little groups of natives lined the canal and performed obeisances as the vessel passed. Undoubtedly they had that woman on board, Petrie, the Lady of the Sea Fan, who escaped together with Fu Manchu when we raided the meeting in London. Like a fool, I came racing back here without advising you, and, all alone, my mind occupied with the tremendous import of these discoveries, started long after dusk to walk to Greywater Park. He shrugged his shoulders whimsically and raised one hand to his bandaged head. Fu Manchu employs weapons both of the future and of the past, he said. My movements have been watched, of course. I was mad. Someone, probably a dacquit, laid me low with a ball of clay propelled from a sling of the ancient Persian pattern. I actually saw him, then saw and knew no more. Smith, I cried, whilst Sir Lionel Barton and Dr. Hamilton stared at one another dumbfounded. You think he is on the point of flying from England? The Chinese yacht, Chanak Campo, is lying two miles off the coast and in the sight of the Tower of Monkswell. End of chapter 38